Our text today is in Acts chapter 2 as we continue our thoughts coming from the founding of the church by Jesus Christ through the power of his resurrection. We'll be looking at Acts chapter 2 and John 4 and a couple of other places help us understand what happened. I hate plumbing. Of all the do-it-yourselfer projects that I get involved in, plumbing is the thing I enjoy the least. There are usually two outcomes when it comes to plumbing. You can fix it or you can make it worse. Uh, but when I get into plumbing, there's a third possibility. You end up replumbing half the house because something breaks. So, And there's a rule when it comes to plumbing. Uh, you go to the store and buy everything you could possibly need, and then you start the project, and you find right away there's something you need that you never dreamed you would need, which always requires a second trip to the store when it comes to plumbing. So it is often with a great deal of reluctance <laughs> that I tackle any plumbing project. Because my wife, who means very well, will ask me, so how's it going? <laughs> to which I often give no answer. Because it's plumbing, it never goes well. Well, this week I had a plumbing project. <laughs> I had to replace an outdoor faucet. So I went down the cellar to see what was involved. And of course, uh, the outdoor faucet comes through the wall uh, between the floor joists and the foundation. So you've got to climb a ladder. Reach into a dark hole and feel what you're doing with your head behind two or three drain pipes as you try to balance on a ladder. But this particular faucet was located directly over top of the panel box where the electricity for the house runs. So as I look at it, I think this plastic pipe is sure to break when I try to loosen the joints. And I'll have water spraying all over the electric box, which I'm sure will make for a shocking experience. <laughs> so I waited a couple days trying to think of a better way, but knowing there was no good way to do it. So Friday morning, I gathered like I always do a dozen wrenches, none of which is really the right size. And the ones that fit are too long to go in the hole under the floor joint. And finally, with my hand on the drain pipes, <laughs> ready to jump if the water sprays in the electric box, I pulled on the wrench with all of my might, and I was right. It snapped the plastic pipe right off. Uh, but much to my surprise, no water sprayed out. It snapped off in a place I didn't think was possible. The shutoff valve was still intact. On further examination, I found there was a nice little inch-and-a-half piece of pipe that didn't break that I could use to glue on a new fitting. So I thought, all i got to do now is go to the store and get that fitting. But I looked at my plumbing shelf, and sure enough, the first bag I opened had the exact fitting I needed. I was amazed. And uh, I thought, I'm still going to have to buy some glue the second bag I opened had a fresh can of glue. So I screwed on the fitting, glued it in place, and uh, I waited a couple hours, tested it, no leaks. That just doesn't happen. And my wife came home and said, you fixed the outdoor faucet? 
I said, of course I did. <laughs> With no trip to the plumbing store, no leaks, no shocking experience. I'm having a thank you, Jesus kind of day. <laughs> Do you ever have a thank you, Jesus kind of day? I hope so. In our text today, we see there are thank you, Jesus days. We've been thinking about the death of Christ and his resurrection, and then the birth of the church that Jesus set in motion, and the power that filled that early church. And we've seen how those people united together in love and supported each other. We've seen how the apostles preached, and the people daily gathered <clears throat> to learn from the apostles' teaching, how they took communion daily, and how they united in prayer. We saw a vibrant, living, growing church full of energy and power. There's one more thing we want to consider today, one more part of that experience. And of course, we want to make sure we know what they did and how they did it so we can do it too, all right? So let's get a look at that other thing that was such a vital part of the new church. Acts chapter 2, I'm going to begin reading at verse number 41, where they cap it all off. Acts 2, verse 41. They that gladly received his word were baptized. Same day they were added to them about 3,000 souls. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, the breaking of bread and in prayers, and fear came on every soul. Many wonders and signs were done by the apostle. All that believed were together and had all things common. They sold their possessions and goods, part of them to all men, as every man had need. They continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. And there it is in verse 47. The word continually in verse 46 is meant to apply to all the activities that are mentioned. And so it should read, they continuing daily praising God. They were always praising God. They were always worshiping. Always lifting up their voices to express the joy, the wonder, and the awe, and the gratitude that they felt as they joined together with growing numbers of people. The temple where they met was now full of praises to God. And that was a new experience for everyone. The temple had always been, for those people, business-like. The priest rushed you through. And the attitude was all about money. Buy a lamb. Pay the temple tax. Put your money in. So much so that Jesus said, you made my house a house of merchandise. And that's not what I want this house to be. Jesus, like he so often did, had explained what was coming ahead of time. And so that we can understand it more fully, let's turn back to see what Jesus said would be a part of the new experience called the church. And we're turning to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. We come in on a discussion between Jesus and a Samaritan woman. And the woman was prejudiced against Jesus because he was Jewish. But the Jews hated the Samaritans. Therefore, Samaritans hated the Jews. Of course, you understand Jesus is above all that. 
Jesus is above all that. So let's see what Jesus says. John chapter 4, looking at verse number 19. The woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshiped in this mountain. But you say in Jerusalem is a place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship you know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. Please note carefully before we go on, Jesus said it is entirely possible for people to say, I worship God and have no idea what they're doing. And that, my friends, is a very common thing. People saying, I worship today, please understand what it means to worship. So here is what it means to worship, verse 23. The hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Jesus said there's a day coming. In the immediate future, it's so close at hand, you could say it's already arrived. And he's talking about the new church. He says, in that day, Jerusalem will have nothing to do with worship. Worship, instead, will be defined as not a place to go or not a service to attend, but rather a feeling in the heart, personal and expressive People will worship, he says, in spirit and in truth. What does he mean by in spirit? Inside of you, there's a part of you that thinks thoughts, and there's a part of you that feels feelings. That logical part of you that thinks is moved by the part of you that feels emotion, and your spirit will worship down inside of you, deep down in your heart. It's not just, well, I went to the temple today. It's not just I attended a service. Oh, no. You will feel it in your heart. You will feel worship in spirit. And then he says, truth. Add that to it. There's some fact. There's some information. Your mind will grasp something that's true, something true about God. And you'll be enlightened by that truth. And you will feel a response to that truth. And you will turn to God and you'll say, thank you, thank you. Or you'll say, I love you. Or you'll say, you're my king. Or you'll say, how great thou art. Now listen, my friends. Jesus said, the Father is looking for people to worship like that. God wants to be worshipped. In an intelligent way. He wants people to engage their mind. And feel emotion. And express it. And worship him in the spirit. And in truth. So the new church in Acts. Is feeling things they never felt before. Thinking new thoughts about Jesus. And then a continual flow of worship. Is coming from their hearts. He says they did it every day, all day. And I'll tell you what, God loved it. God loved it. Now, my friends, true worship might be called 
the missing jewel, something priceless and of great value is often missing from the church. Habit takes over. Form and ceremony kicks in. Routine becomes dry and dead. I grew up surrounded by habit and routine. Thoughtless and dry. We sang old hymns with never a thought to the words we were singing. I remember one service in particular. We were singing, Standing on the Promises of God. I started to get a little excited, so I started to speed it up a little, sing with feeling, push it along. And this grouchy old gentleman leaned over the pew. He said to me, What's the matter with you? He said, What's the hurry? You going to a fire? Oh, my friends, if they were going to sing like that, they should have changed the words, I think. They should have sang, Sleeping, sleeping, sleeping on the promises of God, my Savior. Sleeping, sleeping, I'm sleeping on promises. Of God. Listen to how Jesus says to worship. He says, think about it and then feel it and let it move you inside. It's so easy to sing a song and not feel anything. My friends, the number one reason to come to church is to meet with God. Yes, we want to be with the people we love. We love each other. Yes, we want to learn from the Bible. We all need to do it. But most of all, we want to be with God. Jesus said, where two or three, just a couple of you gather in my name, I will be there with you. I promise to be there. For heaven's sake, don't ignore him when he comes. Here it is, Shelby. We sing almost 20 songs in a morning service, 15 by the choir and five by the congregation. Why? So we can give you a multitude of opportunities to connect with that truth in your mind. And who knows what you're thinking? Somewhere in those 20 songs is something you want to hear and you need to hear. So prepare yourself to meet with God. It's up to you to turn your heart to God. I can't make you worship. I can't do it for you. So how do you prepare yourself? By thinking. Thinking about the truth. We sing it in a song all the time. Right? We sing this. And when I think that God, his son not sparing, sent him to die I scarce can take it in. And on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. Then sings my soul. So the pattern is I think, and then I sing, then I worship. And when I come, I thank God for helping me with the plumbing. 
but I can do better than that. One way of preparing for church is to think about what you can thank God for as you come. We say count your blessings, right? See what God has done. Thanks is a very acceptable form of worship. God approves. Personally, I want to thank God for his goodness to me most of all. I'm 67 years old. When my mother was 67, she was diagnosed with a form of Parkinson's Parkinson's disease called Lewy body. It is a disease that has no cure. Her body and her mind faded away and deteriorated until she died and she lived to be 72. My sister, at 65 years of age, was also diagnosed with Lewy body. She lived to be 71. And my brother, at 67, was also diagnosed with Lewy body. I now am 67. And at the beginning of the year, I was diagnosed. But my diagnosis wasn't Lewy body. It was cancer. And they said, we can treat it, and we can take care of it, and I've had the treatment already, and they tell me there's 1% chance I'll ever get that cancer again. I'll tell you what, I got Jesus on my side, it is maybe 0%. I'm I'm so grateful to God that I had a disease that could be cured. Do you know what a difference is? It? I consider it a great blessing. I'm so thankful to God. COVID didn't stop me and neither did cancer. And I think about God's goodness and then my soul wants to sing. Great is thy faithfulness morning by morning. New mercies I see. Oh, I have needed thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord unto me. I recently had a talk with a woman whose husband had died. And he went to church most of his life. And she said, my husband didn't have a favorite verse of scripture, and nor did he have a favorite song. And I wondered how a person could go to church for nearly 80 years and not have a favorite verse or a favorite song. And then the lady said, we got one of those old-fashioned pastors who's really boring. No wonder there's no favorite verse. Huh? No wonder there's no favorite song. My friends, God is not boring. God is not boring. He loves us so much, he's filled this world with beauty. Admire his handiwork when you look around. When I look up at the star-filled sky, I say to God, well done, well done. When I smell the lilacs, 
I say, beautiful job. I watched a hummingbird this week, and I'm amazed. What an amazing creation. On the way to church, I see a deer, or I watch an eagle fly. I see a bluebird, and I say to God, what a creator you are. And I can sing when I get here, how great thou art. God loves to hear his people praise him. Psalm 22 says that God inhabits the praises of his people. If you really want to feel the presence of God, you really want to know it and feel it, praise God not in a mindless way, but in a thoughtful way. I remember I was preaching once in another church, and they were a hallelujah church. I remember I was preaching about Samson. And I said, Samson did not obey God. And someone shouted, Hallelujah! <laughs> and the only thing I could think, they must not be listening. <laughs> Samson's disobedience is not a hallelujah thing. And worshiping is not just shouting hallelujah every two or three minutes. Or jumping over a pew or running up and down the aisles. Worshiping is focusing the mind on God and thinking about God until you feel an emotion swelling up inside you. Sometimes I feel so moved, I can't even sing. When I get to the last verse of that old hymn, Sweet Hour of Prayer, I just can't ever seem to sing it. Sweet Hour of Prayer, thy wings shall my petition bear till from Mount Pisgah's lofty height. I view my home, take my flight. This robe of flesh I'll drop and rise to seize the everlasting prize and shout while passing through the air. Farewell, farewell. Sweet, I can't sing it. Every time I try to sing it, I just get choked up. In the 80s, some churches said, we want to worship, so they threw out the hymn book. It wasn't the hymn book's fault. It was a mindless approach to singing. Listen to Paul's instruction on how a church service should operate. I'm looking in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, be not unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Be not drunk with wine where is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns, Spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You say to me, but Eric, I'm not a musician. I can't sing a note. Then read the words of the hymn and feel the message. And if you're not afraid, let your voice come out. I don't care what it sounds like. Make a joyful noise. If all you can make is noise, I'm okay. You see, my friends, Jesus said worship is not restricted to any one place. That means you can practice at home. Worship at home. Worship in the car. Worship in the night when you're lying in your bed. Give thanks to God. Let your heart be stirred. When you get to church, join in the worship then and worship with all your friends. God loves to hear a group of people all together praising his name, expressing their love and gratitude. Don't you know that's what they're going to do in heaven? If you're going there, you're going to do it, like it or not, I'll tell you what. Listen to 
what happens in heaven. I'm reading from Revelations 4. Immediately I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he that sat on it was to look upon like jasper, and there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. And the four beasts, each of them had six wings about them. They were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever, cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Oh, my friends, there's a lot of group worship in heaven. And if you never worshiped here on earth, you're going to stick out like a sore thumb when you get to heaven. That early church was so excited. Jesus had just died a few weeks before. And he had risen from the dead already. And their sins were forgiven. And in grateful praise, they felt the stirring of emotion down deep in their hearts. And they worshipped the way Jesus said to, in spirit and in truth. My friends, let this church be a group of people who worship in spirit and in truth. Singing, making melody in your hearts. And may we say and understand like they do in heaven, worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive glory and honor and power for he has created all things and we were created to give him pleasure. My prayer is that God would find the kind of people he's looking for right here and he shall be. People who lift their voices and worship God in spirit and in truth. May God bless you as you do that. Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gifts from your hand, for the blessings we receive. It goes beyond our comprehension how good you've been to us. So we want to lift our voice and praise you and thank you and be grateful to you and bow down before you and make sure that our worship is pleasing to you and acceptable from our heart. And as we embrace the truth of who God is, that we worship him because of it. Make us what we ought to be as we follow the example given to us and the instructions to help us. Bless us, Lord, we pray. Make us good worshipers at home, wherever we go but particularly when we gather in your house, that this place would be what you want it to be. We ask you to help us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. In closing, I'd like you to turn your hymn books with me, if you will. Hymn number 115. Standing as we sing in closing, a great hymn of worship. Hymn number 115. Standing as we sing, All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Standing as we sing 115, all hail the power of Jesus' name.
what he said. Amen. Amen. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, as we come to you, we're thrilled with who you are. We want to crown you Lord of all. That means our own hearts, our own minds, our own life. So come and be Lord over us. Make us what we ought to be. It's a pleasure to know you. It's an honor to serve you. We find great help when we look to you. And so bless us, Lord, we pray. And make us good servants. And let us be good worshipers as we grasp the blessing of what you've done in our lives. Thank you and thank you and thank you again for being faithful to each one of us. Bless these people because they've been here today. Find a special place for them in your heart that they may know the love of God and the peace of God that passes understanding. Fill us up with your presence and power. Make us what we ought to be, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.